Whole civilizations grow and shrink in the moss, ebbing and flowing out over the trees and logs, waging timeless wars of spores against fungi, insects, grubs and the like. Then we show up. How much history do we erase with each footprint we leave behind? Each springy cushioned step on those seas and swamps of verdant green. Do we sway the tide? Or are we as inconsequential on that microscopic level as on all others? Interlopers on that land as on this, carving out our roads while the green bides its time, always at the ready to blanket them over again. Byways, Episode 4, Eternal Green. The clouds finally cleared a ways back. I didn't notice the first few stars peek out before the whole lot of them were shining down, lighting up the night sky over Puget Sound, reflected back up by the calm waters around this ferry boat. Their comfort after all the electric lights of New Seattle, now forgotten over the distant horizon. Couldn't see the stars at all the few days I spent in the city. Light pollution is one of the many things I'll never miss from before the collapse. Give me the open road and old stars' headlights. On a clear night, my 18-wheeler and I'll find our way by the stars. I've never been one for cities, you know that. Didn't have much of a way in choices when I first drove into New Seattle, though. Jobs ain't easy to find in company lands, but I know enough where to look. Cascadia is different. She embraced the changes, rode the waves of nature instead of fighting them. I had my bearings from before the collapse, but the differences here are greater, deeper. So New Seattle, the city on the water, still bustling like before, as industrious as ever. Old Stars and I were out of place, but big rig trucks were just as rare a sight there as anywhere, and it didn't take long to find work, or rather, for work to find me. So that's the deal. You in? Seems a lot of effort for one tree, and might small a goal for 20 people. Twenty-one. You'll come with us all the way. That'll cost extra. We can pay. It ain't ever quite that simple, though, is it? Not to say I haven't learned that already, only... You gotta live some way, and this one led forward. 
across the water and to the Olympic Peninsula. They hired me to transport them to what was once Olympic National Park, the whole rainforest. Deep in the interior, some few trees grew in a secluded grove. And with what they were offering to pay me to help them take just the one tree, there had to be a great value to it. Didn't quite understand why they wanted the driver with them all the way, but I wouldn't turn down the extra pay. And I've always enjoyed a hike in the forest. First, I had to take old stars across the water, though. shine. The ferry's docked. We've made land. So we have. The expedition leader was up front with me at first. The others rode back in the trailer. I originally thought it more prudent to switch to the flatbed, given the supposed length of the cargo. The leader of them told me it didn't matter, though. They'd chop it down to pieces and load it up themselves. So be it. Halfway around the peninsular coast, we heard knocking and pulled over. One of the team, a younger one, had made a bit of a mess in the trailer. We cleaned it out with a bucket and seawater as best we could. And the younger one swapped seats with the leader for the rest of the way. He was still a bit green in the face. Whether it was from the ferry or the truck trailer, I couldn't tell. I kept the bucket up front, just in case he needed it again. He was much better company than his boss, and a lot more forthcoming. It never breaks? Never burns? That's what they say. A single board of in your home is enough to infect the whole structure, turn it dark green, making it truly disaster-proof. We've had more than enough of those already. I imagine. Maybe I could talk your boss into parting with a plank. Right? come in handy down the road. So you believe it? Don't see why not. I've seen things that stretch credulity much further. You don't believe? Doesn't matter, does it? I don't need to believe to get paid. <laughs> I doubt truer words were ever spoken. It wasn't too slow going, and we hooked around and reached the start of the rainforest before noon. Our path would be flat until the end, or so the leader promised. Just as well. I parked old stars, and the team filed out, all 20 of them, knowing exactly where to stand in our single file line. I would have liked the rear, but the leader directed me to a place in the middle. The ones in front of me carried large equipment and bags. Some of it looked to be tents, some of it logging gear, far nicer than the saw, lumber jills had given me, and far bigger. Others still, I couldn't guess. We set off down a poorly defined trail, still single file. The ones in front swapped the equipment around the line as they grew tired, and when the others got tired, they were swapped back. A smooth operation, all in all. I didn't pay them too much attention, aside from when I needed to pass the gear. 
I was far too taken in by all the green. If a lusher forest exists, I've yet to see it. From the moment old stars disappeared behind us, the green grew up slowly as we walked until all of a sudden we were surrounded by it. Prehistoric ferns, massive trees covered entirely by moss, a canopy of leaves blocking out most of the sky. We tread on the green, the moss beneath us giving way as we walked over it, then springing back up like we were never there. The others weren't as enraptured. They made jokes or sang and whistled, never breaking our line. The leader seemed to know exactly where she was going, and always I could hear the sound of the river, sometimes off to the right, and then seemingly off the left. I imagined it must be green as well, everything here was, until of course it wasn't. Quiet! We'll cut over to the river and follow it for the time being. Objections? Objections? I didn't think so. Let's go. It was only a few hours into our trek, and what had seemed to me a poorly defined trail was well established to the leader. She had taken us through a few twists, always picking the path of least resistance through the ferns, until she had us abandon that path and cut straight through towards the river on our right. Thick as the growth was, we still stuck to our single file. Before I stepped off into the growth, I saw it myself. That would have spooked the ones up front. Keep moving, would you? Haven't got all day, do we? Right. Don't suppose we do. I had stopped dead in my tracks, staring at the other ones leading down the path we'd abandoned. Other tracks, that is. They certainly weren't any of ours. Where the moss sprang back up beneath our feet, those other tracks dug deep into the earth, turning the ground they tread on brown. The first break in the green I'd seen in a while, except they didn't dig up the earth. On second glance, the moss was still there, only dead. The brown, a decayed husk of tiny tendrils. That wasn't the only alarming thing about them. The tracks were from bare feet, all right, five toes to them, only they were the size of my torso, a good 20 inches in length. I wanted to examine them further, but I was holding up the line. Had to keep single file, after all. It wasn't too far to the river, but before we reached it, we broke through the brush to see a road of sorts. It was blanketed over by deep moss, but no ferns, no trees. About two car widths across, stretching along on both sides. A road, certainly. No one commented on it, though. We just crossed it, back into the thick green, single file as always. It'd be a while before I'd find out why. <sighs> Sun's down. Spread out and set up. We're camping on the bank. Hey, you. Hmm? You okay? You seem, uh, out of it. It's just, uh, it's less 
green than I imagined. The river? It's a river. Rivers are blue. Right. Rivers ain't always blue, but there was no use arguing that point. This river was blue, after all. A wide artery running through the thick green of the forest. The overgrowth stretched up to five yards from the bank, the one spot in the forest immune to the green's advance. The bank was made up of a collection of gray stones smoothed by the waters. The gray matched the sky, finally visible overhead. It looked like rain. I lent a hand to set up tents, while others built a fire from damp logs. I was weary, so I called it an early night. I'd be grateful for that. Sleep was in fits and spurts, and filled with strange dreams. some strange dreams last night. Hmm. Be glad they were only dreams. Hello again. Hope you slept better than me. And you brought friends. Enough. They're just deer. Pack up quickly. We'll breakfast in line. Let's go. There were quite a lot of them nosing around our tents. Olympic elk. Not quite deer, but close enough. The one I approached had four long scars on his hind and a fifth down his rear leg. The same scars I had seen in my dream. Guess it was realer than I thought. Something had clearly taken a swipe at him. Something with four fingers and a thumb. I could see that much clearly in the morning light before the others roused and scared all the elk off. We didn't stay too long after that. Took a path back into the forest, farther from the river. Away from the blue and back into the green. Single file, of course. For a while, at least. 
paste. Had a lady fine as snow. Had a lady fine as snow. When I do wrong, she tell me so. I do wrong, she tell me so. Course she never seemed to know. Course she never seemed to know. What she'd reap was what I'd ah. Pull him back! Pull him back! Didn't see what the singer had tripped on, but he lurched sideways and crumpled, slid a bit with the weight of his gear bag. Two others quickly scooped him up and pulled him back into our line. Maybe too late, though, judging by the others' reactions. It was more in those bags than tents and logging equipment. Quick as a whistle, three men had fully loaded rifles aimed into the green, peering through scopes into breaks in the moss-covered trees and high ferns. The fern swayed, but there was no breeze in that thickness. The green was absorbing all of it even the sounds, but I could hear the men breathing. Finally, the line relaxed, the rifles were replaced, and we were on our way, single file. No questions asked on my part. He didn't much like my odds on getting an answer. No more singing after that either. Mood was somber till the tension started to rise. It kept up, rising still, just as we did. Not by much, barely a few degrees rise in the path, but enough, enough to mean we were closing in on the grove and that eternal lumber. Ooh, looks like a house under all that moss. It's the old visitor center. We're here. As we walked past, I reached out, cleared the moss off a sign. Whole Rainforest Visitor Center. Another sign further along pointed down the trail we were set on. It read, Hall of Mosses. It wasn't wrong, though it was more a tunnel than a hall, a narrow one at that. The green was thickest there, nearly choking us, drowning out the light. Until we broke through to that clearing, I saw why we had come, and what was there to stop us. The tree was more than I could have imagined. It stood only 50 feet, was only as thick as two outstretched arm lengths, nowhere near as massive as a sequoia, or as tall as a redwood, but it was far, far grander. There wasn't any moss on it, and yet it was the greenest thing in sight. The green seemed to seep out from the core, staining the bark, the roots, the branches, and the leaves. So deep a green, it made everything to that point look dull, brown. Then I saw real brown, lying there just beyond the green tree, sleeping in peaceful repose. And I knew what the guns were for. One at a time, just like we planned. No use for cold feet now. He can't hurt us if we get him first. Sleeping there, 
his head nestled in the crook of his arm, hairy as all be, was Bigfoot. The ground under him was brown, the same as that under the tracks we'd seen. He was asleep on a bed of brown moss and bones, most likely elk, telling from the antlers. His chest rose and fell, rose and fell. I watched as the men with the logging equipment lowered their bags to the mossy floor and opened them up. There weren't logging gear inside them, but you'd guessed as much by now, haven't you? They pulled out some massive claw-like constructs made to grip, to contain. Others lowered their bags, pulled out stacks of plastic explosives. No saws here then. Guess they never planned on bringing them to begin with. Those with the guns already had them trained on Bigfoot. We were still in our single file line, no one moving a step out of it. I peeked over to the expedition leader, brimming with excitement, saw her staring at the tree, then the Sasquatch. She caught my eyes and looked over to the brush. I followed her gaze, saw it, covered under leaves and branches, disguised in the green. A truck, a pickup truck. Nothing like old stars, but still. It sat at the head of a road overgrown with moss. Yellowed ropes attached to the back led straight to the tree. A past failed attempt to harvest it, I assumed. I looked back to the expedition leader. She smiled and reached into her pockets, pulled out a worn car key, showed it to me knowingly, then tucked it back in. I could see then why she wanted the driver with him. Not a lot of good it would do. All that earlier secrecy would lead to disappointment. Everyone ready? Nice and slowly, single file. It ain't ever quite that simple though, is it? I moved with them single file, still unsure what the formation was for. Then something caught my eye. Off in the bushes, just outside the clearing, a shaft of light broke through the mossy canopy and struck a still figure. The scarred elk. He'd followed us to the clearing, watched as we moved slowly toward the Sasquatch, mechanical claws at the ready. I saw the dead elk below the giant. Didn't imagine whatever the leader had planned would turn out well for my animal friend. I gave a sharp whistle, willing the elk to run away. It was enough. He perked up his ears and scattered. All in all, I only stood still for a moment but a moment was all it took. The logger behind me crashed into my back and fell to the side under the weight of his bag, making quite the racket. But the sound didn't matter. I hadn't noticed, but the snoring stopped the second I let out that whistle. Bigfoot was awake with one eye open, trained right on our line. Stood the way we were, he didn't seem to see us. His eye was half shut again his chest starting its rhythmic rise and fall when the logger behind me fell out of our line. That Bigfoot saw, and all hell broke loose. Didn't stay loose for long, though. 
The men with the claws contained it right quick. Poor guy seemed far less intimidating, hogtied in their contraptions. The men whooped and cheered and gazed at the creature up close. One eye was missing, a battle scar from a time long past. Guess that messed with its depth perception, enough for us to get as close as we had single file. I let out a sigh. All that effort we took to get there, every twist we took to avoid its detection, and there it was, that legendary creature done in by a few men. I was ready to argue against killing it, but it wasn't necessary. The men with guns kept them trained on Bigfoot, but never fired. Everyone else was focused on the tree. They thought the battle won, their prize ready for the picking. How wrong they were. Set the charges there, there, and there. You. Yes? Sorry for the secrecy, but you were the first driver to come in quite a while. Couldn't risk you saying no. You understand, right? Suppose I do. Good, good. There's a small truck there, and here's the key for you to drive it. Once the tree is down, we'll tow it out over the mossy road. We can chop it down smaller when we're back to your truck. Ready, sir. On your order. The young worker stood at the head of the others, the detonator in his hand. He turned to me and smiled, and I remembered his words. You don't need to believe to get paid. I didn't smile back. The leader waved to the young worker, then led the others to the tunnel out of the blast range. The leader and I climbed in the truck. All clear? Then blow it! I suppose she was expecting it to fall gently, let us tie it to that truck to be towed out of the forest. Of course, the truck had sat there for ages, from what I could tell. I highly doubted the engine would turn over. She didn't seem to know that. Didn't seem to know anything about vehicles. Didn't much matter anyway. Tie it to the truck. Hurry. What's that? That! Come back here! You! Start the truck! The truck! Forget the truck. We'll carry it to the river. The current will take it back. Double pay for everyone who stays. Triple! Bigfoot was the least of anyone's problems. Where the tree had blown, green sap began oozing out like blood. And everywhere it touched, the moss began to roil, undulate outwards, more alive than before, and coming straight for us. It got one of the team, covered his body, and stripped him to the bone, flesh, clothes, and all. I heard Bigfoot wail, trapped in the ooze's path, the bullets were having a negligible effect on the ooze, but some effect still. The green sap kept pouring out the stump, turning the moss alive. It reached the tunnel, started closing it. The remaining team was running down the road out. 
The call for triple pay was enough to stir a lot of them, though. The gunners blasted the moss as it rose up, opening the tunnel and giving the others time to grab the tree. No sap oozing from it. It was large, but light. Unbelievably so, judging by the way they carried it. Don't know why, after everything, that was so hard to believe. The men who grabbed it started down the trail fast, the gunners keeping the moss and ooze at bay, but still it gained. Can't tell you why I stayed with them as we crashed over the mossy ground, ferns whipping our legs as we ran through the thickness toward the sound of the river. One by one, the men dropped the tree, ran from the moss full speed down the path ahead, the path out, until it was only the young man and the expedition leader left. I begged the two to leave the tree. Couldn't be worth all that. We could hear the river by then, so close, but not close enough. The green ooze took shape, reached out. I didn't stay to watch. I ran down, back to where I figured that mossy road would have been. Found it quick, and some of the others, out of breath, yet still running. We might have run an hour, but probably less. Probably less. The leader had taken the winding path to throw off Bigfoot, but that moss road was a straight shot to where we had come from. Next thing I knew, I was crashing into the side of old stars, happiest I'd been in a while. The others caught their breath, stared back at the forest, the green, all of them eager to leave, but I made them wait, wait to see if the leader had survived. Didn't wait long in the end. Hey, hello again. Glad to see you made it out. My scarred friend returned. The others were too afraid, but not me. I walked right up to him. He didn't flinch. Had something in his mouth, something green. He dropped it in my hands. A piece of that tree's bark. Greenest thing I'd ever held. Figured that was as good a sign as any that they didn't make the river. Elk wasn't wet after all. He took off back into the forest. I loaded the survivors up, and we took off ourselves. Dropped them at the ferry dock, but didn't stick around. There'd be no pay, and I didn't see the need to travel back to New Seattle. I had enough provisions from the last trip. And after all that green, those canopies and gray skies, well, I guess I couldn't stand to lose the stars again. On these roads, all by our lonesome, I take a lot of comfort in seeing them. So I headed south, back over the only usable roads there were, the same roads to that forest, that eternal green. Didn't know what I expected, though I imagined that the ooze might have devoured the whole country, kept rolling along till it hit the sea, pushing its green out over the ocean. But the ocean was blue, if only for now. Oceans are like rivers in that regard. They ain't always blue. Don't imagine they could ever be as green as the piece of the tree that was beside me, though. I can still conjure up that green now. It would have been a wonder if I could have kept it, but it wasn't mine to keep.
easy there, big fella. This what you want? Here you go. It's all yours. I'm just gonna get back in my truck and drive on south then. Bigfoot survived the ooze after all. More than that, it seemed to have healed him. He has two eyes now, so no single file tricks would have worked. But All Stars and I were alone on that road anyway. I figured I knew what he was after besides, and offered it to him pretty quick. That eternal green bark. He gripped it loosely in his hands, watched as I slowly backed up, climbed into Old Stars, and drove down that road. I drove straight, though my hands and legs were shaken. They've steadied since, if only just. And I'm still driving now. Headed to Old Oregon. There'll be work there, I imagine. Or maybe not. We'll find something, Old Stars and I. We always do. Here's hoping it pays. I don't need to believe to get paid after all, and I'm sure thankful for that. Until next time, I guess, be well. Scenic Byways is written, directed, and produced by me, Ben Sembler. In order of appearance, this episode features performances by... Jason Cope, Mia Kodama, Ray Yamamoto, William Yelton, and myself. The theme music was composed by the incredibly talented Rosie Tucker. They just put out an album titled Never Not, Never Not, Never Not, and it is amazing. Look for it on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. For a full list of credits for this episode, as well as transcripts and other material, visit the website, scenicbywayspodcast.com. Sign up to the newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at scenicbywayspod. That's scenicbywayspod. And on Instagram, at scenicbywayspodcast. And if you liked this episode... Please do take the time to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. They honestly help so much. Thanks for listening. Drive safe.